Hello again. Welcome to our series on the Holy Spirit as we're looking at the gifts of the Spirit. And this is our second session looking at the first of the vocal gifts of the Spirit, the gift of tongues. And last time we laid a bit of a foundation. We looked at Acts chapter 2, the first occurrence of the speaking in the gift of tongues. But we also showed how Paul's uh, letter to Corinthians, particularly chapter 12 and uh, 14 of 1 Corinthians, emphasizes that there, there seems to be something more than just human known languages that, that is involved in the general gift of different kinds of tongues. And he alludes to that when he talks about the tongues of angels and speaking mysteries that no one understands but God. And so I, I give you a lot of information there very quickly and I wanted to stop and pause for a week or two so as that would sink in and then come back and ask a few questions, maybe to tease out a little bit of what I alluded to last time. And so I want to answer three specific questions here today. And this is the first. What is the difference between public tongue speaking and private tongue speaking? And are there actually a, a, a difference? And do these exist? Is there public tongues and private tongues? And so in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, uh, verse 10, if, if you look at that, you'll see that it says there, to another the working of miracles and then further down, different kinds of tongues. Okay, then we go to verse 28, and Paul asks these questions. God has appointed those in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, administrations, varieties of tongues. Now it appears there that there's an order of importance. Um, and he's putting tongues near the end. But I want you to understand that that that's only because when tongues is, is given without interpretation, there's lack of understanding. But when tongues is given with interpretation, as we'll see later on, it's equivalent to prophecy. And prophecy is up there at the top of the gift. So I really don't like when people disparage and devalue the gift of tongues and say it's at the bottom of the list. Paul's talking about whenever it's not interpreted and there's no understanding, it's not as valuable to the church body as a gathering. But when it's interpreted, it's as valuable as prophecy. It effectively is prophecy. So in public, there are different kinds of ministry to the assembly and public speaking uh, in tongues is one of them. Now, this is not the same as speaking in tongues through the baptism of the Spirit. And it's not the same as speaking in tongues as a prayer language. Um, if you look at chapter 14 and verse 5, Paul says, I wish you all uh, I, I wish you all spoke with tongues, but even more that you prophesied, for he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks with tongues, unless indeed he interprets that the church may receive edification. And so what Paul is saying is that there's private tongue speaking because he does it more than the Corinthians. Do you understand? That's the only way we can explain that verse that he speaks in tongues more than the Corinthians who spoke in tongues out of control. He must have been doing it in private. And maybe even when we look at verse um, 23 of chapter 14, um, he says, Therefore, if the whole church comes together in one place and all speak with tongues, and there come in those who are uninformed or unbelievers, will they not say that you are out of your mind? So there needs to be interpretation when there's a public speaking, a message in tongues, verse 26 as well. How is it then, brethren, whenever you come together, each of you has a psalm, has a teaching, has a tongue, has a revelation, has interpretation. Let all things be done for edification. 
So Paul's desire is that they all spoke with tongues. It appears that, like he did, it appears that they all did on occasion, which wasn't edifying the church because there was no interpretation. It was just chaos. If unbelievers come in, they would think they were all mad. But it's a bit like when Moses, remember Joshua, the son of Nun in Numbers 11, 28 to 29, um, Moses' assistant, one of his choice men, answered and said, Moses, my Lord, forbid them when the people were all prophesying. Forbid them. Then Moses said to him, Are you zealous for my sake? Oh, that all the Lord's people were prophets and that the Lord would put his spirit upon them. Moses' desire was that everybody should play. Everybody should experience prophecy and the pouring out of the Spirit of God. And that seems to be Paul's sentiment here the same. I wish that you all spoke in tongues like I do. But when you're speaking publicly a message to the church or praying on behalf of the church publicly, you need to have interpretation. You need to make sure there's understanding. So I think you see hopefully here that there is an obvious distinction between the speaking and private prayer language, which edifies, uh, Paul says, will edify yourself, and that which is spoken publicly to the church in tongues, which ought to edify the body. And then a second question, is speaking in tongues some kind of out of control activity? Is it some kind of ecstatic experience that some believe where you're out of control, it kind of is forced out of you? Well, I'm not saying people may not at times when they speak in tongues, if they've been baptized or filled with the Spirit, that they don't feel as if they're being completely overwhelmed and it's almost involuntary. But I would suggest to you that's generally not the way it happens. And in fact, even the disciples at Pentecost were able to stop speaking in tongues when Peter began to speak his his sermon on the day of Pentecost. So they had some kind of control where they could stop the speaking. And in fact, I think that's what's borne out in chapter 14 of 1 Corinthians, verse 27 and 28. Paul instructs them, If anyone speaks in a tongue, let there be two, or at the most three, each in turn, and let one interpret. But if there is no interpreter, let him keep silent in the church, and let him speak to himself and to God. So, that means that there was some kind of control that the speaker had. It's not the same as the baptism of the Spirit. It's not the same as the prayer language in that sense. This is the public speaking in tongues. person can control it. And if they could speak in turns, they have to know when to sit down and have to have volition over that. We see that as well, verse 32. And the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. It implies for the prophets that they have the ability to sit down and keep quiet. Um, and the same instructions given to them, only two or three to speak consecutively. And so Paul is inferring here that there is restraint, the ability to restrain. And that makes this gift, prophecy and indeed tongues, a little bit different than um, all other of the gifts, um, the other six gifts, excluding interpretation of tongues as well. The initiative in those other gifts appears to belong to God, that he gives them as he wills in the moments that we, uh, by grace, are gifted them. Um, No one activates them by human will, like the gift of healing. As I said, when we looked at it, you don't flick a switch or you don't click your fingers and decide people will be healed when, where you choose. It's a gift from God. We are involved to some extent, but especially with the gift of tongues and... uh, 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 
and prophecy, we seem to have more involvement in it in the aspect that we have control over our own speech, even though it's being animated by the Holy Spirit in our spirit. So I know this is very deep and difficult to all squeeze into 20 minutes or so, but I want you to understand that that it's us does the speaking and God does the enabling. Um, they spoke the wonderful works of God on the day of Pentecost. They spoke. It's a bit like Peter stepping out of the boat on 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 Galilee he had to get out of the boat Jesus kept him above the water but he had to put one foot in front of the other Jesus didn't walk for Peter he had to walk himself and generally speaking God will not speak for us when we're giving uh, words in tongues or speaking in tongues in private but actually we have to do the speaking we have to open our mouth we have to move our vocal cords but we don't we don't formulate the words in our mind they're formulated in our spirit. They're coming up rather than down. They're coming up from our spirit, animated by the Holy Spirit. But it's us does the speaking. And that might help some of you in understanding this gift a little better. So there is a difference between public and private tongue speaking. There's nothing wrong with private prayer language, privately in a gathering, muttering in tongues, even singing in tongues together. But when there's a message given to the church, Specifically, one person stands up to pray on behalf of the church or to speak a word to the church. It's vital that there's edification. That's what Paul's saying. And it doesn't seem to be something that overtakes us out of our control. Remember, one of the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. Therefore, God values our wills. He generally doesn't override our wills. Um, so there's more of a cooperation involved in it. Where, where tongues is concerned and then the third question which is often on people's minds especially those who like myself were taught that the gift of tongues is not for today and actually it might well be dangerous many people ask well what about demonic counterfeits is there such a thing as a demonic counterfeit of tongues and i'm afraid that i might get something wicked or demonic from uh, rather than something from god well let me just say to you um there's a number of answers to that but Remember Corinth was a seedbed of idolatry, immorality and demonization. And the, the problems that Paul writes to, to in the church of Corinth are incredible. And yet um, from the outset he doesn't say, right you guys, you need to stop speaking in tongues. You're, first of all, you're speaking in tongues too much. There's no edification because there's no interpretation. But you actually need to be careful because you're involved in so much idolatry, so much immorality that um, actually this could be demonic. He never once says that. Now he does emphasize um, in chapter 10 and verse 20 that behind every idol there is a demon. Um, 1 Corinthians 10 verse 20 rather that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to demons and not to God. And I do not want you to have fellowship with demons. So some of these believers were crossing the line where fellowship with the demonic was concerned. And yet Paul says in respect of the gift of tongues in chapter 14 and verse 5, um, I wish that you all spoke with tongues, but even more that you prophesied. So the, the, the approach and posture of Paul here is not the same as a lot of evangelical Christianity, which is saying, be careful about tongues. Uh, he's saying, no, I wish you all spoke with tongues <clears throat> just like me. Um, and he is not as concerned with the demonic counterfeits as maybe some of us are. Now, that being said, uh, of course, there are demonic counterfeits of all God's gifts. 
um, and we need to be careful of that and I've seen um, when not the Holy Spirit animates a person's human spirit and they speak in a tongue but when the demonic um, uses their spirit to speak in a, a demonic tongue and so you just have to be careful about that there's no doubt about that but God never um, encouraged us to be fearful of his gifts we shouldn't be asking uh, only where are the counterfeits but in fact we should be asking where's the genuine where is the genuine pure gift that God wants to give us and we should also be praying a prayer and um, I, I think that that we should ask God that our gifting would never take us to a place where our character cannot sustain us our gifting would never take us to a place where our character cannot sustain us. And some people's gifting have taken them to a place where their character has not been able to go with them. And I think that's what we, we, we find when we hear Jesus say in Matthew 7, 22, 23, Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders, many miracles in your name? Then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you practice lawlessness. So their lives were sinful, Immoral, not measuring up, um, if you like, to the fruit of the Spirit. But they were operating in gifts. And remember, Judas, he was doing this kind of stuff. And yet he didn't really belong to Jesus in the sense of knowing Jesus truthfully uh, in a transformed life internally. Um, and so that is definitely a warning. Um, and so we want to regulate the gifts with the fruit. But we also see in chapter 12 and verse Three, therefore I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus cursed, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Is the Lordship of Jesus that ought to regulate the gifts of the Spirit? Our submission to Him and our life in alignment with Him. But I do want you with all those warnings and all those exhortations to, to live a life of holiness, to allow the fruit of the Holy Spirit to manifest in us, so that our gifting will not take us to a place our character can't sustain us. In all of that, let it be said that fear never motivated Paul's teaching around the gifts of the Spirit. He never said, be careful, you don't get a demon. First John 4 verse 4 tells us, You are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because he who is in you is greater than he is in the world. The Holy Spirit who is in us is greater than any demonic entity. And remember, I believe I've referred to this on numerous occasions in this series already. In Luke chapter 11 and uh, verses 11 to 13, Jesus talking about prayer, but specifically prayer, I believe, in seeking around the issue of the Holy Spirit. He says in Luke 11, verse 11, If a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Uh, An earthly father whose child asks him for something to help him, food and sustenance, bread or fish or an egg, is not going to give him something that will harm or kill him like a scorpion or a a serpent in the same way if we're evil and we can do that for our children how much more shall your heavenly father give the holy spirit to those who ask so if you come to father god asking for the gift of tongues or any gift of the spirit and let me say i believe potentially 
potentially all of us can move in all of these gifts as God wills. But I believe that the gift of tongues can be available to everyone because I believe that it's inferred in this passage that all the Corinthians were speaking. Not all of them, as he says in in the chapter at the end of chapter 12, verse 28 following, not all of them stood and gave public gifts, uh, public words in tongues, um, messages of prophecy in tongues, or led the assembly in prayer in tongues. That's the public gift. Not everybody operates in the public gift of tongues, but I believe potentially everybody in Christ can operate in the private gift of tongues praying some will disagree with me on that i'll not fall out with you on that and i don't want to give you a complex if this hasn't happened for you i just want to encourage you um to as a child just come to heavenly father and ask him if you want this gift um ask him for the gift of tongues ask him for witness that you've been filled baptized in the holy spirit and then step out in faith believe you received the things that you've asked of him because they're according to his will he wants us to receive his spirit in all fullness and then step out by faith and you open your mouth and believe that God's going to give you the gift and speak and let it come from up here and not from down here, not from up here. Don't engage your mind, but allow the Holy Spirit to come through your mouth and you might well speak in tongues. Um, sometimes I say to folk, and this is very practical, but when we're in worship at times and we're praising and adoring the Lord, you'll feel a welling up within you, deep calling on to deep, the spring of the Holy Spirit rising up within you. I believe in those occasions very often, um, if, you were, if you were to open your mouth by faith and begin to praise the Lord, not through your mind, but through your spirit, that you would probably speak in tongues. But I'll leave that with you. I hope that this been, has been helpful, these two sessions on the gift of tongues. It's certainly a gift that will edify you personally and it's certainly a gift that um, many are scared of uh, in the church. Even those who believe in it are afraid of it, which is unfortunate, but it's a gift that I believe God wants us to be using. And with interpretation, like prophecy, it will edify the body of the, the church and we need it. Lord, I just pray that you'll help those who are listening and um, if they are desiring this gift, that you will meet them and Lord, that you will witness your spirit with theirs. And Lord, I pray that you'll help those who've got blockages in their mind, those who've been scarred by others who've tried to force them into this gift, others who've been abusive around this gift, others who've made people that don't have this gift feel like second-class citizens. Lord, these gifts are not badges of achievement or in some way superiority. And forgive us when we've used these gifts in that way or in a confusing or offensive way. But Lord, we come humbly to you, the giver, and we don't seek the gift above the giver. We seek you. But we, we know that these gifts bring us in a way closer to you and a deeper intimacy with you and an understanding of your ways and your mind and your will. And I just pray that you will pour out your gifts even to those who are listening right now as we pray for the glory of Jesus and in his name. Amen. Join us next time. We're going to be looking specifically at the gift of the interpretation of tongues, which of course brings that understanding and edification to the body. God bless you. Thank you for listening. And don't be afraid to message us and let us know your encounters with God through this series. Um, that will bless us and encourage us. And we would love to be an encouragement to you also. See you next time.